0: Welcome to the Joyfulness Broadcast. I've got a guest speaker podcast episode here with me today, finally. Again, after a while. Uh, Freya, Freya, would you like to introduce yourself? Just a little few words about yourself.
1: I guess I could. Um, right. Well, I am a, a bit of a writer and... I blog and I and I teach various courses. And I am a parent of two children who are now, two boys who are now 19 and 15. And most of the writing and teaching that I've been doing uh, for quite a while has been about my parenting journey with my mm. two sons because Becoming a parent at the age of 35 uh, really just changed my life so dramatically and really turned everything upside down for me and opened all sorts of um, new experiences and difficulties and challenges that uh, I just, it was sort of off the dial harder than anything I'd ever Um, encountered before so so I had this pretty wild journey with these two boys and that has sparked a great deal of sort of learning and unlearning for me and and I like to to write and and speak about what I've learned and unlearned so that's an ongoing process
0: right cool and so from that experience came the book uh Your book is Joyful Parenting and the course is Joyful Parenting.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: So you learned, this is very interesting. I'm very excited for this one because you've learned a lot of uh, things that maybe are assumed to be like how things work, but really they're just belief systems and you've learned through your own experiences um, what works and what doesn't. And the one I loved when we spoke is that you don't have to be in conflict with your children. I mean... (laughs) Uh yeah. So that's amazing.
1: You don't have to be in conflict with your children. And in fact, parenting doesn't have to be stressful. I mean, oh, wow. I just that assume it <laughs> that it has to be really hard work and it's gonna be stressful and you're gonna struggle with your kids and you're gonna try and control them and they're gonna fight back and it's gonna be dramas. And well, there were certainly dramas for me, but I discovered that I didn't have to struggle with my children at all and it it didn't have to be stressful and it could actually genuinely be joyful and like a cooperative um, respectful relationship between humans Mm. that was very, very different to, to what I experienced when I was growing up and to what most people experience uh, in parenting, even today.
0: (laughs) That's a very, Awesome. Very good uh, data point to have for us um, that this is a possibility. Uh, So when you say it could be joyful, would you say that it's joyful in like, even during the difficulties and kind of moving through the difficulties together and learning is part of the joy when you're raising your kids?
1: Yes, definitely. Uh, I, I sort of, I I aimed for a peaceful experience of, experience of parenting, but it's not peaceful in the sense of peace and quiet Hmm. because there was a lot of loud noise, there were a lot of emotions, there was a lot going on and there still is to some extent, but but beneath or sort of um, along with that was, was a background piece and a background sort of state of joy that was that became fairly consistent over time and i talk about it in terms of a sense of presence right that i developed an ability to or an awareness that i could hold space if you like for whatever was arising in the family whether people were getting angry or upset yeah. or anxious or or whatever was going on, that, that there was this background ability to to be present for whatever was arising. And along with that came a sort of sense of calm, joyfulness that was, was always there.
0: Right. That's a good way of putting it. So it's like um, in embracing everything as it was arising and not trying to change it, but rather just being with it as it is that's where the joy came from and so it allowed you to be in that space of joy and kind of would it be right to say like non-attached from what was actually what might to like perception seem like a conflict you're almost like non-attached to it and you're holding this space and embracing it and that experience that transformed your experience to a more joyous, joyful one of it
1: yes I think so it it, it It took quite a long time to actually get to that point, I have to say, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, there was uh, I started out really feeling very reactive to a mm. lot of what was going on. There was a lot of struggle, there were a lot of of my own reactions, and so I actually I needed to do quite a lot of work to sort of clear beliefs from my system and to question them. And, and also at the same time practice sort of connecting if you like to that state of presence mm. and the two sort of work together to, to bring about that state of joy because I guess I discovered that that joy is, is a sort of natural state of being when there's not a whole lot of stories going on in your head uh, and also it is actually just delightful to to be in relationship with children who are exploring and experiencing life in a really sort of unfiltered uncontrolled sort of way it's mm. there's a lot of delight and a lot of play and and yeah, that, that's a joyful experience in itself.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask, like, the word that popped up to mind when you were saying that was play. It sounds like it was a very, rather than, like, a strict telling the kids how to grow up and telling them what to do. It was more like you were playing with them um, during the experience. Now,
1: Absolutely, yes. <laughs> it was a very play-based upbringing. Um, I didn't actually tell them what to do at all really. I made, I made suggestions but I, I started out knowing that I didn't want to punish my children. I have, right. I have a legal background and I've studied criminal law and I've studied all sorts of legal systems that are based on punishment and I was, I was brought up um, with punishment in my life. And I just knew before I started, before I had my children that that was not something I ever wanted to do. Mm. So I knew I wanted to have like a rule free punishment free um, family, but it was also like a crazy setup because I was also like an oldest child and I had tried all my life to be a good girl you know, so I like had this massive sort of structure of beliefs around being good and doing the right thing. And when I became a parent, that sort of became all about being a good parent. Mm. And so it was like this collision course between um, a belief system about being what a good parent should do. And this desire that had risen up in me to to parent without punishments or rules and it was like a, a perfect storm you know there's like this crash of these two belief systems and these beautiful children that i was gifted with who are incredibly spirited and hated being told what to do and and just wanted to do their own thing and would fight like fiercely for their own autonomy. So any attempts that I made just to try and control them or get them to behave or it was just, it wasn't gonna happen. So um yeah it brought up a lot of of stuff for me to to deal with.
0: Yeah, wow. <laughs> just learning that process. Um yeah so you said something about not wanting to have any punishment. So that's something that feels really powerful. Um, is that, how did that work out? Did you have, did you end up with any moments where you did have, we like kind of like yelled and screamed or what is a non-punishment household look like? What?
1: Yeah. Well, there were certainly moments that I yelled and screamed. Absolutely. I did find myself getting very frustrated right. because you know, in my head was this plan, you know, this belief system about how good good parents should be, and all these fears about about how it was going to reflect on me if my children didn't behave well. Right. Yeah. So so they just went about their lives and behaved the way they wanted to behave and and I got really stressed about that at times. So sometimes I, even though I didn't want to, like when I say punishment, I, I would take that the full spectrum to any, I mean, obviously, well, not obviously, but I, I certainly wasn't going to hit them. And I didn't want to impose consequences, which is like what a lot of parents call it these days. They'll say, you know, you've got a time out or you right. go to your room or, um, you know, take away a toy or a device or something, you know, to punish your child. I didn't want to do any of those things, but I did find myself um, yelling and even like manipulating or right. attempting to manipulate by saying, oh, if you don't do this, I won't do blah, 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 you know? Right. So, yeah. I heard those things come out of my mouth and I was sort of like hearing them come out of my mouth and then the next moment I was just like appalled that that I'd actually just said that. So it was really like there was all this old programming that was running, you know? uh, Things that I'd heard my mother say to me or my father say to me, they just sort of appeared out of the blue and it was sort of like, (laughs) oh gosh, you know? What did I just say to my child? (laughs) So it was actually really confronting at times, mm. because I had this value that I didn't want to do that, and yet it was happening anyway so so that really I had to really stop and look at what was driving that you know were there beliefs there that were that were causing me you know that were driving those reactions mm. yeah.
0: Oh. I've got a question. So, if there, if something happens, if there's a behavior that, uh, let's call isn't socially acceptable or, uh, but I want to like make it more, more like precise, like, you know, someone hits someone or something, like mm. something like that, like something, you, you know, you don't really want that. <laughs> um, what would be the response instead of punishment? Uh, cause I feel like it's maybe assumed that if you don't punish your children, then it's not somewhere in the, there's the assumption that if you don't punish them, then how are they going to learn what's good from what's bad? But uh, I'm guessing that you found another way. <laughs> so would you like to share?
1: Well, I think um, one of the things I ended up questioning is that assumption that mm. if you don't punish your children, they're not going to learn what's good and what's bad.
0: Ugh.
1: But I questioned the belief that you have to train children, mm.
0: that
1: you have to, um, Train them by by some sort of means of control, whether it's punishment or fear oh, or manipulation or withdrawing your love or something. That you have to try and control them; otherwise, they're just going to end up some sort of wild, crazy. I don't know. You know, people. Ha- I don't know. People have this imagined <laughs> yeah. sort of future where they've they've got these. Completely antisocial creatures that have formed. But the truth is very different from that. The truth is that humans want to grow up and get along with other humans. You know, they want to be part of a family, they want to be part of a broader community. They actually look to their parents to model and demonstrate to them how it is to be in relationship, how it is to be, to be, you know, communicating with other people. And if they see their parents exercising power over them and can, trying to control them and punish them and punishment is basically um, hurting another person intentionally with the supposed um, effect of teaching them a lesson, but it's, it's basically using power over another person to try and control them. So if that's what children see in their parents, then that's that, that's what they learn. Yeah. So I didn't want my children to to learn that if that was, you know, at least not from me. You know, they'll probably pick it up, and they have picked it up from the, the culture more broadly. Mm. So So to get back to your question about well, what do you do instead? Um, you, so I questioned that assumption that if I didn't, you know, correct them or train them or punishment, punish them, that they would sort of um, go crazy. And I also questioned my beliefs that, and this will sound really, you know, pretty out there to some people, but I questioned my belief that, for example, hitting is always bad. You know, mm. that there is a good and bad, you know, in every situation. So my cho- my my sons actually fought with each other pretty much every day for years and years, you know, they would have physical fights and,
0: and it was really
1: interesting to observe that it was play. It was playful, like. They would fight and sort of like really test each other out and, you know, occasionally there'd be tears or, you know, they'd run to me and ask, you know, for comfort or whatever. But it was like they were, you know, having this play, play fights to learn about how to relate to each other. And sometimes they would get angry and hit somebody else and I certainly didn't encourage it. Mm. And I tried to be there to provide any sort of assistance that they might need. So to try and um, encourage them to express their feelings, you know, in a nonviolent way and ask wow. for what they want in a direct way. So I would try and um, encourage peaceful means of resolving disputes by modeling that and model how we can actually talk about what we want and find solutions that everybody is happy with. So mm. I, I attempted to, to model like an alternative form of problem solving that didn't involve uh, exercising power over other people like either me doing it or them doing it and Mm. that was that was a bit of a long-term um project (laughs) and and it was actually really amazing and wonderful to to follow that through and to to witness them gradually getting the ability to to regulate their own emotions and to regulate their responses and to to grow up into you know young men who don't hit people (laughs) and who are actually very aware of their emotions and able to to you know get on very well with most people that's Mm. very
0: interesting it's just such a pleasure to be able to have this and talk to you um because you can i get to challenge we get to actually challenge all these assumptions and see what's what's actually happening. So it sounds to me like you really didn't exert any force in the sense of like trying to control the children in any way and more you know let them let the natural course however it might unfold unfold. And by the sounds of it although there was that there was that so there was the it's not like it was just pretty like there was that like fighting but like as you're saying it was playful but it wasn't all like harps and harps and flutes <laughs> but eventually they kind of like what you're saying is by testing it out and seeing it for themselves they were able to learn for themselves and then eventually at their own pace without anyone really having to force them because you didn't force them or anything they naturally progressed to other means of uh, playing or resolving conflicts or problem solving like you said is that kind of accurate to what happened
1: uh yes although there's a bit more to it because um uh one of the other things apart from not wanting to exercise control so I never actually forced them to do anything that they didn't want to do or Mm um well that was the main thing Uh, I never did use force but I also decided before they were born that I was really passionate about letting emotional expression happen without without negative judgment. Right. Because yeah. I'd been brought up, um, as most people are, but I don't know, perhaps more so, I'd been brought up to, to the view that, you know, crying is you know, not really helpful and should Mm. be suppressed. Um, Children should be seen and not heard. They certainly, um, it's not acceptable for them to get angry at their parents uh, Mm. or, you know, have tantrums or, you know, that was just all not acceptable in my family of upbringing. And I had spent quite a bit of time in as a as a young adult trying to unlearn some of that myself and sort of unblock some of the repressed emotion in myself. Mm. But I discovered that having children is really like taking the, the stopper off that and, and any sort of repressed emotion that was in me just, just whew, because I, I had years and years of sleep deprivation and wow. you know these kids pushing every button basically. So mm. I experienced these upwelling of these intense emotions and my children did as well you know so i had made this decision a not to punish them or try and control them but also just to hold space for this intense emotion but i had no idea how intense it could get you know <laughs> like i had no idea um so my eldest child really did experience Extremely intense feelings, like very well, you could call them tantrum, but they were really sort of um, outbursts of rage, you know. Right. And he actually, in those moments, um, he he was violent. So he would try and attack me, um, in particular, because it was like he wanted to express these very, very intense feelings. And I was the safe one. You know, I made it clear that I was going to listen. You know, I was going to be available and hold the space for this. So there were a lot of very intense experiences where he would be screaming and crying and attacking me and trying to hit me. Um, and, And I realized that partly that, that emotional expression was actually if I could just accept it and allow it then it did actually pass quite quickly you know it was sort of like a storm like a thunderstorm passing through Mm. and the thunderstorm would pass through and there'd be all this lightning and thunder and then the calm would come and he would return to being this absolutely delightful little boy and we could, you know, have a really lovely hug and get on with our day. So it was a big journey for me to, to allow that, that intense emotion without having a really negative judgment of it. Like without saying, this is bad, this is wrong. You can't do this. This is unacceptable, you know, all this sort of stuff. So, so that really, um, I had to to really go into my own um, history and sort of childhood trauma around violence and anger and there was a lot to, to sort of unpack. But the good news is that actually allowing those intense emotions and holding the space for them allows it just to clear. So it's like mm. there's it's like it's been released for for him and for me and for our whole extended family. It's like this, this release of this, what was sort of pent up or suppressed emotion. And it's cleared so beautifully. He's just um, got this lovely clarity and empathy about him now at 19. Um, that I think can really shine through because, because all that mm. sort of intense emotion was actually allowed to, to be without judgment. So it was a, it was a very um, full on sort of journey for me. And, and I know it's actually, it's a lot more intense for a lot of parents than people realize because people don't really like to talk about this very much. You know, They don't like to admit That their child gets so upset that they start hitting their parents or they start throwing stuff around the house because there is still this very strong sort of social rules that think that say says that this is unacceptable and it's wrong and it should be somehow stopped um, right at the beginning because otherwise you know terrible things will happen and you'll end up with a violent adult Mm. on your hands, but that wasn't my experience at all.
0: Right. Yeah. It will look like, well, the way what sounded to me is like, this stuff was like kind of bound to come up. If like, I think this is a good framework is if it comes up, then it was bound to come up. And if you like resist it and you like in the parenting example, if you try to resist it, or if you say to the child, you can't do this and you punish them for it, then it only gets further. Like, there's all these belief systems that form or in the mind that oh i have to suppress this i have to hold it down and then you kind of get to that boiling point later in life but yeah. it, it's going to get released one way or another or it's going to keep Sometimes yeah <laughs> yeah well
1: that was my experience it's like i was dealing with my childhood tra- trauma in my 40s you know my anger at my yeah. parents you know that <laughs> that <it> was <laughs> built up, so it's certainly it's wow, going yeah, to come yeah, out. You know, so I I was dealing with it with my childhood emotions pretty much alongside at, at my own children dealing with theirs. So it was like we were almost at the same level emotionally, you right, know, yeah. because mm-hmm. I'd been sort of thrown back into a lot of this childhood emotional state just by the virtue of having children myself Mm. and and so we were like learning alongside each other how to handle these intense emotional experiences Mm. and I needed to take the lead in that and I chose to take the lead by by that choice of saying, I'm not going to punish. I'm not going to meet violence with violence. I'm going to meet whatever arises with presence, with peace. Mm. And and that just expanded my experience of life immeasurably. Um, it was really, it was like a really full-on process but it was amazing
0: mm. wow yeah that's a so you kind of assume that a lot of parents have this as well then they have yes. all their. um because <laughs> it, it doesn't go away just just because someone tells you to keep it down it stays down so like everyone has it <laughs> unless pretty
1: they're, much they're, yeah unless well i think people have it to very different differing degrees yeah, you know? yeah. um and I saw that there was a lot of this suppressed uh, anger in my extended family, and it seemed to want to come out in my family, in my nuclear family. <laughs> so, like, we're the ones that are going to get to to heal this, right. um, because I'm the one that's chosen to allow that, you know, and to mm. to not invite it, but to say, okay, I'm, I'm ready. I can, I can handle this. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's very, I think it's very common partly because um, well, as we see, it's, it's happening in our broader culture, you know, things that people have kept a lid on for a long time are being exposed and spoken about. um, And, you know, that that happens in the microcosm of families as well
0: Mm. yeah and then so that there's an interesting point where you said you kind of you're both learning together so how to deal with this stuff and and you did take that leading role in your decision but was it like a really connecting experience did you what did you learn together? What did you, did you learn how to handle your emotions together from that? Or did you already know when you showed them how to do it um, through your own experience?
1: I didn't know. We really sort of figured it out side by side. There were, <laughs> there, there were quite a lot of situations. There were quite a lot of moments where, you know, we were all just sitting on the couch in tears together. <laughs> and, um, and I was sitting there like, oh i don't know you know it just it did feel overwhelming at times yeah but that was part of the learning is allowing the emotions to come and to express them and and being willing to be vulnerable and to to be honest with my children about how i was feeling so I think that's also something I certainly didn't experience as a child and I'm not sure how many people did, you know, to actually um, witness their own parents in their vulnerability and their honest Mm -hmm. expression of emotions. Um, So I just allowed myself to feel what I needed to feel. Sometimes, obviously, I would, you know, withdraw and go to my room and, you know, cry or, solve or was there I didn't always do it in front of my children but I didn't try and hide it either
0: right,
1: right. so so yeah it was a process of allowing what was there to be there and um, and waiting for it to to resolve and pass
0: mm. which it did <laughs> so out of curiosity how long how did you start to get familiar with it and you kind of, is through your own experiences, or did you learn a particular technique or how, what was your experience with dealing with these things that were coming up?
1: Well, I actually needed to get quite a lot of help myself and support hmm. to, because I wanted to, you know, hold space for my children. And I really needed to, to have some support myself to be able to do that and to, to work through this. So, I did, you know, a couple of years of psychotherapy and I did kinesiology with some wonderful practitioners and I used um, homeopathy and flower essences and read lots of spiritual books. Actually, I read um, Eckhart Tolle's book, A New Earth, at one Mm -hmm. point, which was a really uh changed things dramatically for me because he sort of described described what I was going through in a way right. that I hadn't experienced before. Um, he described the pain body as a sort of stuck right. uh, stuck, unprocessed sort of emotion thought sort of thing that's in you that gets triggered by um, things that are happening in your relationships so I, I sort of developed a much clearer understanding by reading his books and also the other thing that was super helpful for me was uh, the work of byron katie now she teaches a process which is not so much about the emotional expression it was about dealing with the belief systems okay. so she teaches a Process of self-inquiry, which you you use to question beliefs that are bringing stress or a big emotional reaction into your life.
0: Mm.
1: And so I started using this, and I worked with a couple of friends actually who were also really interested in this, and we sort of helped each other out with this process of questioning our our stressful thoughts. And that was so amazing and made such a difference that that I ended up teaching that to quite a lot of other people and that's incorporated into into my book and my parenting course as well.
0: Mm. So by questioning you, does that like imply trying like go go to the source of where it's coming from and like see what's actually behind it?
1: Not so much. It's more just a process of say for example um, I have a judgment about one of my children and lots of this came up, you know, there were lots of judgments coming up. So for example, if I have a judgment, which is, you know, my son shouldn't be hitting me. Okay. All right. That was a pretty clear one. You know, he was hitting me and the judgment come up. This should not be happening. Right. This shouldn't be happening. So she just says, well, there's just four, you you write it down. So it's like a guided meditation that you write down. So you write down the thought, my son shouldn't be hitting me. And then you ask these four questions. And it's a process of the first one is like, is it true? Is it true that your son shouldn't be hitting, my son shouldn't be hitting me? And it's a simple yes or no. So initially the answer was yes, it's true that my son shouldn't be hitting me. <laughs> And then the next question goes, Well, can you absolutely know it's true that your son shouldn't be hitting you, that he shouldn't be hitting you? And this is where the it sort of gets a bit more doubtful. And I when I sort of go within, I think, well, no, I don't actually know it's absolutely true that he shouldn't be doing this because he is doing this. So, <laughs> you know, it's happening, right? And then the third question is. Well, how do you react when you believe that thought, You're, my son shouldn't be hitting me? And how I reacted was anger, you know, frustration, all this pent-up sort of feeling was coming to the fore. It's like I was meeting, I wanted to hit him, you know. <laughs> when, when I had believed that thought that he shouldn't be hitting me, I was angry enough that I wanted to hit him, right? So, mm. and I wanted to stop it. I wanted to control it. I would do anything to try and stop that, what was happening. So, you know, the fear, the manipulation, the, all of that was was coming up when I believed that thought, that he shouldn't be hitting me. And on top of that, there were all these self-judgments happening. So this massive amount of self-judgment, like, if you're a good parent this wouldn't be happening you know Mm -hmm. if you'd done this differently then this wouldn't be happening uh you should be able to control this you should be able to stop this you know all the shoulds and all this really really intense self-judgment so if i believe that thought when my son is hitting me then all of that comes up i i want to attack him I'm attacking myself, you know, my thoughts. I'm, I'm thinking attack thoughts about myself. Mm. So the, the fourth question is, quite simply, who would you be without that story? How would you be if you didn't believe that thought in that moment that your son shouldn't hit you? And just sort of sit and meditate on that and that's where the relief comes. It's sort of like, oh, okay, well, if I didn't have that thought and he was hitting me, I would probably just, you know, put up my arm and block the, the hits <laughs> or I'd leave the room or I'd, you know, or if he'd already hit me, I'd realise, oh, okay, I just got a little slap on my arm. It's actually not a big deal, right? Mm. And there's my child in front of me who's really upset. So I'd actually be able to see them,
0: you know, uh, to
1: see there's there's somebody there that I love who is suffering, right? And to feel that compassion for them in that moment, and to do whatever I needed to to do to to protect myself, but without that judgment, it's just a whole lot simpler, you know. And there's none of that anger or self-judgment or anything it's actually just peaceful and whatever emotional storm he's experiencing will pass and there's no after effect there's no bad taste you know it's just gone and and we can hug and Mm -hmm. and enjoy each other's company so that finding that oh that's what it's like without this the judgment that was really amazing and then there's another little part at the end um, which asks you to, to turn the thought around and see if that's also true. So the opposite of he shouldn't hit me could be um, I shouldn't hit him. You know, I shouldn't, if, if I want to model nonviolence, then... I've got to be that, you know, rather than getting enraged at him in response, I've actually, you know, somebody's got to take the lead and and be, and be peaceful in the face of what's coming at them. Mm. Um, and also there's the turnaround, well, he should hit me, which seems a bit odd at first, but it's basically just asking you to see that what has happened has happened, you know, and to just accept that it's already happened. So arguing about it or judging it is actually just not really adding anything to the situation, nothing helpful anyway, because mm. it's yeah. already happened. <laughs> yeah. And he couldn't control it and I couldn't control it. So yeah, that was interesting. It just sort of shifts your perspective.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting one. Uh, because it seems to me that like there, there came the realization that it doesn't have to be this way, which seemed to be a, uh, like when you said, how would it look like if I didn't have this belief Yeah. in the realization that, that there is another possible response.
1: Exactly. And there is another state of being that I could be in, you know, that is this calm presence rather than, this angry mother you know there's a big difference there and the difference is just whether you believe that thought or not
0: hmm. and so when you from your experiences what, was this like a a constant inquiry so it's not just like one time you catch it and you choose and it's gone or is it more like you catch it and then you catch it again but it starts yeah. to lose grip a little bit every yeah it, it
1: went on for quite a long time okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, it, it varies, you know. For some things, that inquiry, you know, it 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 seems to release things really quickly uh, mm. in a few times, but in others, it it went on. You know, it was a process that went on for years, really, because um, you sort of get to different layers of the belief underneath. You know, um, there are all sorts of things that sort of come up that are associated with that (laughs) and so there's a lot of different threads to to follow but but ultimately uh yeah it sort of just dissolves Mm. Mm.
0: sooner or later it dissolves (laughs) it
1: does yeah and um and it's actually a really interesting process just to 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 go through in itself because there's the finding of that piece, which is a lovely thing to just come back to, you know, repeatedly.
0: Mm. Yeah. I think I just want to, because sometimes that's like the most powerful thing where it all begins is just with the like awareness that it could be just like becoming conscious of how it is now, where it's coming from. And then, Kind of realizing that it doesn't have to be that way and then really how however short period or longer period it takes to dissolve doesn't really matter at the end of the day because the result is the same yeah um sometimes we want to control it and make things faster but like at the end of the day it's like the results the same so that's quite that's right and of course I, I did
1: have the thoughts that I wanted to control it and make it faster, but mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's just another story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doesn't really get you anywhere.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. That's cool. It's powerful stuff. Yeah. And this doesn't just apply, of course, to, to, par- so how this started with parenting, right. But I'm assuming this kind of affected all areas of life for you. Right.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> it sort of like started with parenting and it was the intense sort of work of, of bringing up these, uh, boys, but it—it it was like I learned these skills uh, and this process of inquiry, and um, and and then it just started to spread throughout all my life, you know, because I could see the same patterns um, of judgment and self-judgment and. Um, you know, fears and things coming up. It was in my relationship with my husband and it was in my relationship with my parents and yeah, all over the place. So it it just, it can be applied anywhere uh, Mm. whenever you're believing something that's, that's causing you stress or worry.
0: Mm. So now, would you say you're in the less, cause something that was interesting you said was uh, I think maybe we miss this sometimes, but to say that something shouldn't happen. Cause usually we think of judgment as like, that's a bad person or like, that's a horrible thing. Like that's judgment, but also to say something should be different than it is is a judgment. Yeah. Um, in on it, whatever, like, however that form takes, if you, anything that's not accepting what is occurring right now is a judgment. That's <laughs> so right. What, now, what, what is your experience of life now? Like after working through, is it? Yeah. What's it like,
1: well, a lot of judgments have just fallen away. Um, mm. They've, they're not very common. I, I do occasionally notice that judgments coming up, but they're they're like echoes of their former self. It's like they come and, and they're seen for what they are and there's really much attachment to them. So they sort of just go away again. You know? <laughs> so yeah, like yeah. Oh, there's that old friend of mine, that that judgment. Um, Do I want to follow that one? No, I don't think so. so,
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, They usually go away again pretty, pretty, pretty quickly.
0: Mm. So there's no, you're not trying to judge the judgments either though, right?
1: No, I know they're going to come up. (laughs) That's just how, how the mind works. You know, it just throws up these, dissatisfactions and judgments because you know that's what it's like that's the programming that's there yeah. and if you, if you see it i guess it's like meeting the judgments with understanding or meeting whatever thoughts coming with understanding it's like oh i know how this works now uh, and i know what it's like not to have all that coming into my mind so there's there's a lot more awareness around whether I get attached to those judgments or not.
0: Mm. That's a good point because to judge something comes from a place of not understanding it because if you understand it, you wouldn't judge it. <laughs> so. Yeah.
1: Well, it's sort of not so much understanding what's happened, the circumstances, but more understanding how the mind works, right. you yeah. know, yeah. understanding how it, it generates all these judgments and the understanding that I am not that, you know, mm. I am not that um, mind, I'm not that judgment. And, yeah, that, that releases it.
0: Yeah. Cool. That's very cool. And, and so now you teach that to other people after going to,
1: yeah. And we usually start out by, by dealing with whatever issues are actually, you know, coming up in their family. So there's a lot of, um, discussion of things like, like the intense feelings, you know, kids who get really angry or really upset, um, or parents who are really anxious about video games and they, how much their kids play video games, or they're anxious about their child wanting to eat sweets and junk food all the time, or they're fighting with their siblings and hitting each other, or you know any number of things that happen in families all the time. Um, <laughs> and cause parents a lot of stress and, and worry, and they start struggling with their kids. And if they've actually, if they've got a desire to, to find a peaceful way through that, and they, and they don't want to rely on punishment or control or limits or consequences, then then I can help them. Because mm. I've been through all of that, and, and I found a way, you know, to, to work through all that stuff.
0: Mm. Your way, the way that you have gone through it is more, it would be right to say like kind of leave the kids out of it and you focus on yourself <laughs> and come to Pretty much. The
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, not leave the kids out of it, but focus on yourself first. Right. Um, focus on what you're thinking, what you're believing, what your emotional reaction is and, um, and take some responsibility for, for your part. You know, in what's going on. So, if you're yelling and screaming and carrying on, then don't judge that, but have a look at where that's coming from. Have a look at what fears are underpinning that, and and try and um, investigate what's going on. So that's part of the process that I teach, and also. I really recommend that people learn a different way of communicating with their children that doesn't involve judgment. So I I teach people nonviolent communication, which is, you know, just a process of being honest about what you're observing and feeling without the layer of judgment, you know, on top of that. So it's sort of like, okay, there's a way of talking to your kids, which doesn't involve telling them they're lazy, stupid idiots. (laughs) You know, you can be honest that you're feeling frustrated and upset without going down that path. Mm. Um, So that's part of it. And also how to solve problems together with your kids, because there's no doubt there's going to be conflict. You know, you're going to want different things. Parents and children have very different priorities. That became very clear to me. <laughs> you know, children want to play all the time, basically, and they don't want to, you know, clean up after themselves necessarily. Uh, you know, they they have different priorities. So, if there are problems and conflicts, then you've got to have a way of working out a solution mm. together if you're not going to control them or order them around then you're going to have to talk it through <laughs> and again that requires some skills in like nonviolent communication and problem solving that most people don't have mm. i certainly didn't have them because that's not how i was brought up i was brought up to do as i was told it's mm. very simple in that model you <laughs> just do as you're told So basically I threw out all the old model and I had to get something in to put in its place because I needed to learn some new skills and some new communication skills Mm. um, really came in handy. Mm.
0: Well, that's funny. We actually had a episode a while back with a non, n whatever the thing is nonviolent communication practitioner facilitated person. And that was really, yeah, explaining that which basically I got from it is like just focus on you and you, you avoid blame language. Yes. Which you can see how also to a mind of the child starts to like program them with things. If they always, even though the parent might not be aware of it, if they're constantly saying, Oh, you did this and you did that. Even though that might, that might be how they see it to the child's mind. It's like, Oh, I'm such a horrible person. Exactly. And how bad I am.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, it, it, yeah. It really brings in that, the voice of self judgment, because I mean, I certainly internalized that blame, you know, that, that I heard as a child as to, it's my fault. I'm the one to blame. Mm. So it felt like, you know, this pattern of self judgment um, really became very strong um, as a result of being judged, you know, so much and blamed. And it's such a deep, it's such a deep um, pattern in our society. Mm. um so i really wanted to to try and stop that one you know and introduce something else and obviously well it's not obvious but you you can't stop it a hundred percent because it's everywhere it's in the environment you know and and it certainly leaked out of me before i learned nonviolent communication mm-hmm. and other ways of communicating so it, it feels like it has actually um it has spread to my children, but I'm hoping that it's not as strongly entrenched with them as right, it was right. with me. And well, it's certainly a relief for me to be free of it. So
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: that's, that's a huge bonus, you know?
0: Mm. But no. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's the way, cause like, if, if that's like, I see it like your responsibility, like the parent's responsibility once aware of this, is kind of fulfilled and if it comes from other sources then it's not something you can control you know and who's to say that it shouldn't be that way (laughs) um but like at least from your end that it's not from your end which means it is lessened like don't have to they don't have to deal with as much shit
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah. and and it does require constant vigilance you know because because things slip out, you know, it's sort of like a lot of this is unconscious and it comes out and then you think, oh my goodness, what did I just say? So I actually spent quite a lot of time apologizing to my children <laughs> <laughs> over the years. Well, you know, something, I would say something and then I would say, look, I'm really sorry, you know, um, that's not what I wanted to say. And mm. um, And that that humility was really helpful, I think, for me and for them. And uh, yeah, it's necessary to be honest and vigilant. Yeah.
0: Mm. yeah. Well, that sounds so. What's your relationship like now? Would you say? Do you have any friends that actually that's probably not, don't want to go into judgment questions, but in <laughs> comparisons, but for you, What's what's your relationship like with your with your kids now?
1: Well, um, my nineteen-year-old son uh, and I have a lovely relationship. He um, he actually chose to move out of home a few months ago, mm. which you know is always a bit of a it's a bit of a shock when it finally happens. You think, oh, I knew this was going to happen, but gosh, now it's happened. <laughs> that's, that's weird, um, but. We have a very trusting and open relationship, and he, you know, confides in me and shares a lot of my own um, values around these things. So that's actually a really precious thing to mm-hmm. me that he he understands and values, what I've actually managed to, the transformation in my life and and what I was aiming to achieve. And, and he's grateful for that. So that's really rewarding to have that. Um, my 15-year-old son is not so grateful, I would say. <laughs> uh, he's in a process of um uh, that I think most teenagers go through of of just wanting to work out who he is and what he's about and he wants to do that without much input from his parents at this point in time so (laughs) so yeah he's in a little bit of a bubble of being fairly self-absorbed which Mm. is very natural for somebody of that age. So I'm pretty accepting of that. And I'm thinking, well, I saw my oldest son go into that bubble and come out the other side uh, as a beautiful butterfly. So I'm actually just really interested to see what happens because (laughs) this sort of process of growing up and working out who you are and what you value is, it's just something that will take its own course. And I'm just sort of waiting to see where it's going to go. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. Um, Yeah. It does seem like, you know, it's still like, it's a bit of a mystery, you know, everyone's different. Everyone like ends up differently for different reasons. There's so many factors at play, but I think it's really good to have like these conversations so that people can hear other points of view that, you know, there are other ways (laughs) and to like start to just question, I think, because, my own experiences as you begin to inquire into things the truth begins to uh, reveal itself just through the process of being willing to see the truth <laughs> the truth comes comes up um, yes and that which yes. is in conflict to it
1: and conflict. i guess one of the really fundamental truths that i've realized is that i have no control over how my children turn out mm. and i don't really have any control over how i turn out either you know <laughs> Um, But there's like my business, which is my experience, my relationship with my thoughts and emotions. And then there's their business, which is like their journey and their, yeah, it's really not my business. Like I can be there to, to support and encourage and make suggestions, but ultimately it's their life, you know, and it's going to develop in a unique way that, that I really, I don't have a control over. So so to think that you have control or that you should be responsible for how your children turn out is a recipe for suffering. It really is. Yeah, I mean, I think we should just do the best we can and and um, value, value our own well-being and our own joy and our own peace and mm. and take care of that to the extent that we can and 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 let our children find their own way
0: mm. that's a really good good point yeah great thing to question i don't think i have questioned that before being responsible for how children um shifting away from being responsible to how they work out or what, what happens to them and instead focusing just the way I see it, if you just focus on yourself and you become the best, the most happy, the most joyous parent, clear of all the, the fear or the guilt all the shame, then you'll stop projecting it. So it won't be coming from you. You'll see things really clearly. Um, you'll be able to act in accordance with peace and calm because that's what you are. <laughs> you don't mm. have to. It just becomes what you are. So then, you like you'll increase the likelihood of, of the most joyous out uh, like outcome possible. But nothing is certain. Nothing is set in stone. Yeah. You'll um, increase
1: the likelihood of it by being it, but yeah. you won't be able to determine somebody else's journey. Yeah. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And to, but I think that, that belief, you know, that parents are responsible for how their kids turn out is very deeply embedded in our culture and it causes people a lot of grief mm. and really a lot of grief.
0: Mm. There seems to be something I've noticed is all those all those suffering belief points, they all sort of revolve around I. It's like how I think things should be, or how this reflects upon me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like how my kids reflect upon me or how they're treating me.
1: I was, Absolutely. Kid, you know, I was watching
0: a movie and there was like this little kid and I don't know, he was doing something in school, acted out, and they're just like, Do you know? what this means for me. And he's like, you're just looking at her. He's a little kid. doesn't know. <laughs> but yep. yeah, it seems to revolve around eye. And as you just, it's like people are entranced in like a drama and they can't see it. And then as you see it, it's like, becomes a little funny and a bit lighter. Everything is a lot less serious. It's like, Oh, okay.
1: Absolutely.
0: Other it's factors much
1: better. lighter because you're not taking yourself so seriously anymore. <laughs> or what other? I mean, the, the huge fear that I had for years as a parent was, what will other people think, you know? Because I had these two boys that were, you know, pretty wild, really, and for a while there. And I was terrified But yeah. because I, it was going to reflect on me, you know, what are people going to think of me and my parenting, you know, because my kids are doing this or that or whatever. So yeah, it was totally self-focused. Like it was all about me. What are they going to think of me? How, how am I? am I going to be a good enough parent? Am I going to get judged? You know, blah, blah, blah. All of that was going on intensely. And gosh, you know, it's so, it's such a relief to have that sort of stuff go quiet. Really, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> It's such a relief.
0: Yeah. A lot lighter, right? A lot lighter.
1: Absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Well, uh, do you have any, like the final little thing, do you have any, like to say one thing to share with the listeners to what's related to joy, joyfulness broadcast to bring more joy into their life from your own experiences?
1: Well, what comes to me now is to really spend time with young children and to experience their joy (laughs) before they've had all these beliefs you know, programmed into them and um, judgments and blame and all this sort of stuff is just such a magical experience, you mm. know, to, to, to play with children, to be in their world is really the greatest gift, you know, of being a parent. It's just like a window into, into your natural state of being. This playful, mm. joyful, happy, or, you know, upset, you know, whatever emotions are coming up. It's just a natural, a natural state of being. Mm. Uh, and young children have that. And the more time we spend around them and learn from them, the better off we'll be.
0: <laughs> That's a good one. Um, because just to finalise, because that, that joy is still within us, right? It's still it's
1: Absolutely. Just-
0: just got covered up goes
1: away. It just gets overshadowed by all this crap that we pick up along the way.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Another belief point could be that, Oh, it's not there, but like, it can't not go away because it's just like all the fear is within us. So is all the joy. It's like, we're responsible for it. It's coming from within us.
1: (laughs) It's all there within us. And you can just peel away those layers of beliefs and, and, and join your children in that natural state of joy join the party yeah. <laughs> but you know you've got to do some work to get there but the more you have a willingness to to trust your children and their natural state of being the more quickly that opens up for people
0: yeah awesome okay thank you so much i'll just close up uh thanks for first of all thank you so thank fun. you it's been lovely <laughs> um, and listeners if you'd like to stay updated, you can go to the Facebook page, Joyfulness Broadcast. Um, Spotify releases the podcast episodes fastest, so you can just follow the podcast on the Spotify, get notified of the future releases. Otherwise, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this, and I'll see you in the next one.